Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland, and with me, as always, is Jessica Meterson. Together, we form the Legal Geeks. <laughs> and today, you know, we got to position it so we can do the rings that, that hit each other, and we we'll do that in the boxes for... Power to unite. I don't want to be the motto, though. I want exactly. to be the eagle. That's cool. I mean, we could get Green Lantern rings, too, but now, now that we've gone full-on geek, that should scare everyone senseless. Uh, let's talk about, Jessica, let's talk about why are we here today. We are here today. It's actually a bittersweet moment. We're here today to talk about pets, pets and science fiction, pet law, and the reason we're doing this is because I'm doing it in memory of my darling Tiga, my beloved dog that I lost last week after almost 14 years together. Very sorry for your loss. Just look at those eyes. What a sweetheart. She was a sweetie. We rescued her from the streets of South Dallas. Oh, she was such a mess when we got her, and she was the most devoted and wonderful and sweet and smart pet, and I miss her very much. Um, so, but before I start crying, I thought that, well, I would take this moment to honor her, my darling little um, uh, dog, who probably, if she'd been a person, I always said she would have been a boxer or a Catholic nun, I think. I don't think she would have been a geek. Um, she would have been a good lawyer. <laughs> she was part pit bull. <laughs> But um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so uh, this is to remember her, my sweetie, and to talk about other pets that people have had in science fiction um, and also in some superhero comic book type thing, too. So Very well, and uh, very sorry for the loss of Tika. Let's talk about science fiction and pets. Who is your favorite pet in science fiction? Hands down, no question about it, it's Woola from uh, the John Carter Mars series. Woola is uh, basically the Martian equivalent of a dog, although he's actually got six legs and it's mammoth and green and vicious mouth and everything. But Woola is, again, actually kind of like Tiga, can be appear very fierce and is very protective, but is actually incredibly sweet and loyal and loving. Um, and Woola was one of the animals kept by the Green Men of Mars uh, and Tars Tarkas's tribe. And uh, the Green Men of Mars were actually pretty mean to these Martian dogs, basically. But uh, John Carter actually befriended Woola and was gentle and treated Woola kindly. And so in return, Woola rescued John Carter more times for more near-death moments. And there were often times where it seemed like Woola should have died. And in fact, once it actually did appear that Woola died. But luckily, uh, the green people of Mars also had remarkable healing medicines and powers. Um, and so Woola always came back from the brink. But Woola was fantastic. And if I could ever talk my kids into it, I would get a big dog and name it Woola, because I love Woola. How about you? Do you have a favorite pet from sci-fi? Well, it's it's hard not to like a triple because they're cute, furry, and and snuggly, and I, I just happen to have one here. That's that'd be a great food source. I mean, as we're dealing with sequester issues right now and how to feed people, one of these little babies in elementary school, we'd be taken care of. No more pink slime. We'd we'd be totally fine. That sounds rude, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got you to gotta think big picture. I'm sure, you know, triple steaks would be very, very tasty, and there, there would be a surplus of them. Uh, but if we are going to geek out and, like, think about science fiction pets, I'll go with Canine from Doctor Who. Because Ooh. when you think about it, what male wouldn't want a robot dog that talked to you and had a laser? Oh, so it can do, that is cool. 
it could help you with your math homework, it could be the loyal pal, and it could shoot down a demon flying around. So when you think about it, pound for pound, robot dog <laughs> with a laser. It's kind of hard not <laughs> it's, it's freaking laser. I mean, it's, so you got you got to think big picture here. So I, I I'm gonna go with canine, even though there there are other good good contenders in there. But I think canine is a little more my speed. So I, I'll right. go with that. All right, that's a good one. Um, so it, now, Jessica, go ahead. So, what are some of the other examples of pets in science fiction? Well, it's funny because there aren't that many. I don't know. I guess, I mean, there are lots of robots in the future. Um, I guess, you know, in the future, I'm thinking like in the Star Wars world, of course, there's um, Crumb that was kind of like Jabba's pet or maybe the court jester. I mean, I think in the future they tend to imbue all the alien creatures and all the different kinds of things with, you know, more intelligence than I guess we credit pets with. So they're not really pets as opposed to just another human life form. Um, so like in the Star Wars world, for example, you know, I mean, you certainly couldn't call Chewbacca a pet. I mean, even though he does seem like big, lovable kind of dog, but he's clearly an evolved being who can fly planes or, um, what, rocket ships, I guess. Um, but uh, so it's funny, you don't see a lot of references. Two that I like are um, Robert Heinlein does like to work in some kind of unusual pets. Instead of just doing the dog thing, too, there's a, a snake in A Stranger in a Strange Land that the woman who owns the pet snake is actually, like, has a psychic ability to communicate with the snake which is pretty handy. They actually like the snake babysitting babies. I'm like, it actually works pretty well. I was like, wow, if I were psychic with a snake and had babies, that'd be handy. Um, there's even The Cat Who Walked Through Walls by Robert Heinlein. So, like, the whole book is, you know, named after a cat. So that's pretty cool. How about you? Can you think of any others? Well, Clash of the Titans, there's a Bubo, you know, the mechanical owl. And oh. I don't know why I'm leaning towards robots. So, you know, there's one right there. And uh, let's see, you now I believe there's the uh, Targs in Star Trek, which would also be, you know, handy little pets as well. And by handy, they're they're kind of ferocious. So there, there's that side of it. So, uh, uh, but no, there's lots of, it, it's interesting. You don't see a lot of pets. I mean, in the original Battlestar Galactica, you had Boxy, you know, the, the, the mechanical Daggett after, you know, the the dog was killed on, in the fall of Caprica. So, you know, they did, they they played with that as well. But, you know, you, you do see dogs and um, robot versions of dogs. It doesn't seem to be and the that's, I mean, that's excluding all the lassies and all the Benji movies out there. So, and, <laughs> and, and, and who can forget the end scene of Old Yeller, which, which, you know, if we ever really wanted to get a confession out of a terrorist, just make them keep watching the end of that until they finally snap. So that would be my, uh, that would be one of my ways of doing an enhanced interrogation. Uh, they just keep watching Old Yeller until they submit. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's a handy tip. Yeah, it's just in case, if you have to interrogate someone this weekend, there, there's your option. So right. that's, uh, All right, that's a good idea. So, so let's talk about, you know, since we are lawyers and we do advise people on, you know, thinking ahead, and one of those things is what happens when you die and making sure that a loved one is, is taken care of. What do you do, you know, for how, do, how are pets taken care of uh, post your death? 
it is a tricky issue, especially if you're a person who tends to have pets like a parrot that can easily, you know, unless you get a parrot as a child, there's a good chance the parrot's going to outlive you, um, certain turtles, things like that. We even had, I had set up in a will at one point, uh, I had a caretaker identified for Tiga if something were to happen and Tiga was to outlive us. I had a friend who agreed to take Tiga and we, I set aside money to give to the caretaker. So I'm not actually bequeathing the money directly to the dog, obviously, because, you know, states still generally view pets as property. Um, but I'm in my will providing for the dog by identifying a caretaker and identifying funds. Most states, however, do allow you to actually set up a trust for the dog. Again, you need to identify somebody to run the trust. You still need to identify someone, you know, to take care of the dog and basically an executor. But you can actually set up trust. This, um, you know, you see this every once in a while pops up in the news where some millionaire Instead of leaving any money to, like, you know, their kids or grandkids or, you know, even the maid is like, forget it. I'm leaving all my money to my pet, you know, um, Benji. Um, the most famous one, I think, was Leona Helmsley. She left $12 million to her dog, Trouble. She actually, like, cut out a couple family members to do that. And, yeah, and the court actually ended up reducing the award to the dog's trust to $2 because the caretaker was like, I really can't spend more than 100000 a year on this dog. Like, no matter how much I try. <laughs> At some point, there's only so much you can spend on a dog. So the trust is actually reduced yeah. to $2 million. <laughs> I mean, the personal trainer, the, you know, the handmade kibble. I, the manicure. The, the, the massage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah they, wow. Um, so was that Cypress that they did, you know, and to reduce the award, or was it some other doctrine? Oh, I don't know. Now you're going beyond what I had researched on that. I'm not sure. So, <laughs> oops, sorry. I uh, didn't mean to throw a curveball with that. Since we're dealing, to make me look bad. <laughs> Strategery. So let's talk about uh, what happens if someone hurts your beloved pet. Well, the obvious answer is. Um, of course, again, we mentioned before that they're property. So that would be property destruction. So there are, you know, very civil and criminal charges that you can make for that. There is also, however, um, actual animal abuse you can be charged with. Again, there was a notorious case probably more than a few years ago now where there was a case of road rage in California. A woman tapped the car in front of her, and the guy got out in a rage, came to her window. She rolled down her window to try and apologize. Her dog had been sitting over here, jumped onto her lap, either to protect her because the dog scared and the man, and this is just awful, the man grabs the dog and throws it um, onto the freeway into oncoming traffic, and the dog gets run over. The woman can't stop it. The dog dies. Very sad. That guy was charged with um, animal abuse. So you can, and that would have carried a criminal sentence. There's also some courts, like the Washington uh, Court of Appeals actually recognized a few years ago. There was a case where some kids basically tortured uh, a dog, and the animal ended up living, but then actually had to be put down because it was, so severely injured. And the court actually said that, you know what, in those sort of cases where there's that malicious injury to a pet, the owner can sue for emotional, uh, the intentional infliction of emotional distress. So that is a possible civil, uh, you know, remedy, again, in uh, relation to, like, or in addition to property destruction or criminal charges for animal abuse. So, so there are options there, obviously, if something, oh, if people, again, and, you know, obviously I'll think about how people who are willing to hurt animals often are willing to do other horrendous things, too. So um, maybe that's why more and more courts are allowing more claims because they recognize these people need to be stopped early before they turn their venom on humans. So, Well, that we also get angry when a pet or, you know, a dog 
is killed or tortured yeah. or, you know, when, when that crosses a line uh, just because of the cruelty involved and you, you see it raise, you know, passions because of that. Well, and it's like, oh. I mean, he knows. He can never, you know, people, I mean, again, the dog fighting was horrible, but there are arguably other football players who have done some pretty bad stuff and they're more easily forgiven. People, yeah, just can't fathom just, you know, senseless injuries to these innocent animals. So it does seem pretty crazy. I I can't stand them. I know. I mean, I, I, I don't like them. The fact the president called him after a game bothered me immensely because it yeah. I agree. like, hey, you get a free pass for being a horrible human being. So that's my... You're good at football. Um, and, and a lot of people feel that way. You know, a lot of people find that very offensive. Yeah. And so and I'm... Yeah, it's just it's one of those things, and so yeah. it's people it hurts because we love our animals, and we love our pets. We do, most of us do, and we should. And our pets are wonderful, and I miss my beloved pet Tiga. So I will, uh, yeah. I feel it's amazing how much I think about her. But yes, pets are wonderful, and for people who can hurt pets, you really do have to question how they can do that. Well, that you, you think about it's. We've had a bunch of dogs in the family, and the best was named Angie. And my grandfather was a dentist, and he was leaving his practice was at Stanford, and it was a fall night, and walked out of the office after, you know, doing all, all the paperwork and everything, and it was raining, and there was this cardboard box outside the office door with this puppy in it that was this, you know, just looked drowned, and being a dog guy from a farm in Iowa, he, like, looked down, made eye contact, and took it home, because that's Aww. what... And my aunt named it after, like, five or six of her girlfriends. I can never recite the dog's full name, but Angie. And she was a super dog. You know, she would, you know, play f fetch for hours on end and, you know, and, you know, enjoyed swimming and diving off the diving board. And, you know, they did an experiment where they kept throwing the ball into the pool. And it was around, you know, throw 70 that the people got tired and the dog was still going. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and, and phenomenal, lovely, lovely dog. And yeah. so, and people remember, you know, you get the Jimmy Stewart poem about his dog yeah. and how much he loved, you know, his dog named Bo and, and what that dog meant to him. So, again, it connects with people in a pretty, pretty serious, intimate way because of the unconditional love, which That's is right. why there's bodies of case law and trusts dealing with dogs That's and right. cats. I have a clownfish, and um, while we don't exactly watch TV together, I don't have, like, the hamster ball for the clownfish to roll around in, because that would be a cry for help. Yeah. Um, it'd be weird. Really weird. Um, people don't do that. Uh, so they're they're not exactly the interactive. You know, they're still a comforting. We don't have. They're 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 fun. I mean, like if we had miniature dolphins, that'd be kind of cool. You know, to swim around and e e e. You know, I mean. <laughs> but anyway, we we we've talked a lot about pets, pet law, and that wonderful walk down memory lane. And so, Jessica, sorry for the loss of Tiga, and she did it. And I'm that, so we better say goodbye. And with that, we'll we'll do something less emotionally and less uh, less meaningful next time.